things feel so out of your control with what's going on in the NICU and you know you can only do so many things sometimes it's really helpful to be able to know that you can control what goes into your mouth and so for a lot of moms you know just focusing on the healthy diet feels like they're they're doing something in a time where everything else feels out of their control. Welcome back to Whole Mamas Podcast. We're here to give you tools, resources, and evidence-based information so you can make the best decisions for yourself and your family, whether you're trying to conceive or are navigating life with a toddler or a teenager. We got you covered. I'm Dr. Ilana Romel, pediatric naturopathic doctor and creator of Med School for Moms, an online resource where I teach moms how to safely be a doctor mom. And I'm Stephanie Gorinke, registered dietitian and program director for Whole30's Whole Mamas Club. I'm also the co-creator of Whole30's Pregnancy Program and our upcoming postpartum program. Today's episode, Steph and I recap on this last month's theme of navigating the NICU. We've had some incredible stories from both Erin Pesota and Emily Hughes sharing their personal lives of life in the NICU, anywhere from a two-month stay to almost a one-year stay. We also had Parahat on the show. She's a NICU mom herself, but her interview focused on sharing her experience as a mind-body coach for high-risk pregnancies. She helps moms through their experience before, during, and after the NICU. So this month was packed with some tear-jerking stories coupled with inspiring tools and resources to help any mom through this experience and also help equip all moms who want to help offer their friends who are living in the NICU some helpful tips. Now, before we jump into today's episode, I want to introduce you to our podcast partner, Four Sigmatic. Four Sigmatic specializes in mushroom-based drinks that offer a wide range of benefits, supporting our immunity, energy, focus, overall relaxation. All of this is something moms and moms-to-be can definitely benefit from. Stephanie got a chance to share her favorite blends on last episode, and now it's my turn. Now, by far, my favorite blend is their mushroom matcha latte with mataki. I'm not much of a coffee drinker, so when I need a pick-me-up, I choose matcha. I love how their matcha latte uses coconut powder, so all I need to do is add hot water, and I have this awesome creamy beverage to sip on. It's lightly sweetened with stevia. And I love all the added benefits of the maitake and the moringa, which are both safe during pregnancy and during lactation. And I definitely plan to continue this during nursing since moringa is a great galactagogue. So I'll get the added bonus of increased breast milk production in addition. So cheers to that. Yeah, and Ilana, their matcha latte is one that I can stand behind because as you mentioned, they're very mindful of the sugar content of all of their products. They use just a little bit of stevia versus a ton of added sugar like you'd find if you ordered a matcha latte from a coffee shop. And this is something that I learned from a client who went to Starbucks thinking she was doing her body a favor by ordering a matcha latte instead of her normal sugary latte. But when she took her first sip, she almost spit it out because it was super sweet, and she wasn't expecting it to taste like that. But it turns out that in a Starbucks matcha latte and other coffee stores lattes, there's a lot of sugar and there's 32 grams, for example, in a grande matcha latte from Starbucks. And that comes out to about three tablespoons of pure sugar, which goes against what you're looking for when it comes to choosing matcha. You're looking for a more stable boost in energy that doesn't make you mentally and physically crash like caffeine and sugar. And this is not to say that you can never have a fun latte, but if you do choose to order one when you're out, consider bringing a packet of Four Sigmatic with you and just ask for a cup of hot water from your barista. Or you could have the barista make your matcha latte with half the sugar or make it unsweetened and use your own packet of honey or stevia to sweeten it to your preferred taste. For me, I love the benefits of matcha and I love the focus and energy I get from drinking it, but I personally don't love the taste. So what I do is I add the Four Sigmatic powder to my green smoothies in the morning. Mm, That's a really good idea, Steph. It doesn't have to be a hot beverage, right? You can put it in any type of beverage. So that's a really great tip. Thank you. Overall, honestly, just with Four Sigmatic in general, I'm just so impressed with companies who package up superfoods into a convenient way for us to enjoy. It's rare for us to get mushrooms in our diet in such a variety of ways, and so I just love the concept that Four Sigmatic has really done, and they're really leaders in this industry, and so they really inspire me. 
Now, we'd love for you as our listener to head over to their website, look around and see what sounds interesting to you since they have so many different options to choose from. If you decide to order some, let us know what you think by tagging us on Instagram at Home Mamas Club. You can have a, head over directly to their website at foursigmatic.com, spelled F-O-U-R-S-I-G-M-A-T-I-C.com, forward slash home mamas, to receive 15% off your Four Sigmatic purchase. Or if it's easier, you just use the code home mamas at checkout to get the special deal. We hope you enjoy them as much as we do. Now let's start our recap today. And as always, we're going to start with our popular Nourish Yourself segment. So Steph, what did you do today or later today? What are you planning on doing to nourish yourself? So I did something this morning that really nourished me, but this kind of has been a mission of mine for the last couple of weeks. I've been learning how to ask for more help from my husband when it comes to things that really stress me out. So like many moms, getting out of the door in the morning to go to work, to take your little one to daycare, to school is a really stressful time. And for me, you know, I was finding that I was the one getting up in the morning, getting the kids breakfast, getting the kids clothes, helping the kids put the clothes on, cleaning up after breakfast, taking them to school, putting the garbage cans out, like doing all of these things and looking at what my husband was doing in the morning, which was taking a shower, getting himself ready and then leaving. And (laughs) the dream, (laughs) right? And, you know, I was finding myself resentful and he would come down the stairs and he would, you know, try to give me a hug. And I was just kind of in like, I got to get all this stuff done mode and I don't have time for a hug. And so, you know, he wasn't getting what he wanted, which was the attention, the affection from me. And I wasn't getting what I wanted, which was help in the morning. And so we really started talking about what he could do in the morning since he leaves before we do. He can't like take the kids to school or, you know, really help them put their clothes on or clean up the food because we're not done with that by the time he leaves. But he can, you know, help in the morning, help get the breakfast set up for them. He can help pick out clothes and bring them downstairs. He can help get like their blankets and milk and everything ready, their their dairy-free milk to take to school. So, you know, even though you might not have the ideal situation where you have as much help, finding one or two little things that you can ask for so that you both are getting what you want and it's not Every morning you're running around with your head chopped off and doing it all by yourself. Oh, Steph, I love this. And this every mom can totally relate to. So I think it's so great that you guys are really working on what I call like new agreements and new structures that really work for both of you guys. Because like you said, he doesn't want someone who's like resenting him and then not giving him the hug. And you definitely don't want a husband that is just not helping you with certain things. And so I'm so glad you guys are now clear on on new little tasks. And I bet for him, he's like, okay, well, I may not want to do it, but in order for me to help you, I'm going to do this. So has, has it been happening or did you just make the request recently? It's been one of those things where, you know, I made the request and then life happens and he gets busy and he forgets or I forget and I don't ask for the help. And so it's just coming back to it whenever we realize that we have like kind of gone back on our agreement or have not done our agreement. We just need to regroup. And so we, we've been trying this for a while and just, you know, with him traveling and me traveling, we got out of our rhythm. And so just today mm. it was that reminder again that, Hey, look, you know, I'm doing these eight things in the morning. Can you help me out with these two? So great. yes, when he, when he remembers and when I'm good about reminding him, everything is great. I love it. Well, it's funny because what I was going to share yeah. on my part of the nurse yourself yeah. segment was also kind of uh, like a partnership new structure that we have. So I think that this can also perhaps benefit you and then some of the other listeners. So in the last, I would say month or two, my husband, Anthony and I, we've been fighting more. There's just been like little things that we've been like nitpicking and, you know, a little thing that ends up blowing into a big fight. And both of us are like, we are not committed to this. Like what is happening? Like we need to get to the source of this and like ASAP. And so oftentimes he'll blame me because I'm working so much more. I mean, I'm pregnant. I'm, you know, I'm more than halfway into my pregnancy. So I'm tired. Plus I'm working full time and, you know, I'm just managing a lot with my med school for moms launch coming up. And so he'll oftentimes blame me like this is all your fault and this is why we're fighting. And I was like, this is not all my fault. So anyway, We've decided to just step back and create a new structure. And so I wanted to share with, um, you know, you, Steph, and also the listeners, because we've only been doing it for the last two weeks, but it has just like totally changed our communication and it's been benefiting us so much. And so I think that perhaps this can also help some other listeners. 
So we now have weekly check-in meetings. So we chose Sunday night that we're sitting down present to each other and available for talking. And this has really helped provide me a lot because I always feel so short and rushed for time with him that I like bring up complaints randomly throughout the week. And now this totally clears this up. So what we do at our weekly check-ins are three things. The first thing is that we acknowledge each other for what went well this week. So we just focus on all the positives like, hey, and thanks so much for helping me X, Y, and Z. You know, like that really provided a lot for me. I just want to remind you that on Wednesday night, that was really helpful. Or he'll say something back to me. And so it kind of just starts the meeting feeling like, okay, cool. We're getting appreciation. Then the second part of it is that we give each other feedback. So like what didn't work? So last night, one of Anthony's feedback to me was like, hey, on Tuesday night, you came home from work grouchy and hungry, and I was cooking dinner because that's part of our new agreement. And you essentially just told me that I'm, I'm caramelizing the onions wrong. So I like caramelized onions like lengthwise, and he like diced them and he was caramelizing them. And who like, of course, that was rude. Like who yeah. wants that feedback? Right. But what he did was so awesomely is in the moment Tuesday night when I'm hungry and tired from just back to back patients, he didn't even like react to it. And that would have started a fight. Right. Because I was rude and he would have reacted and I totally could take responsibility for that. Instead, on Sunday, he brought it up and said, look, I wasn't going to say anything, but it actually really did hurt my feeling. It made me not want to cook for you. But you, you know, you commented on the caramelized onions. And in all honesty, like if you're particular, you have to tell me or you just have to appreciate that I'm cooking. And I was like, you're absolutely right. And I was in the space of being able to receive it. And I noticed like, yeah, that's not right. I'm so sorry. Is there anything I could do to help with that? Like, I'm really going to commit to not doing that next time. So it's like little things that we can just have the time and space to give feedback, but in like a calm and like available way. And I just think that that's so helpful so then, to just preventing fights. So then let me ask you. So during sure. the week when you find something that frustrates you about him or when you find something that you appreciate about him, do you kind of write it down? So yeah. That, okay. So yeah, <laughs> that was actually the next thing is that the third part is we keep now like a shared note. So in our iPhones, we can share a note. Anyone could do that if you both share iPhones and we, I actually create a list of feedback and acknowledgements so that I remember to use at our meeting. But in addition to that, we also then have our to-do list. So we really realized that us running a house is like running a business. Like he has tasks, I have tasks, and we never have meetings to like review what got done and what didn't get done and who is responsible for that task. Um, I think oftentimes he's just always assumed, oh, Ilana has it taken care of. She's the one managing the house. But you know, in all honesty and stuff, you can relate working full time and, you know, just dealing with so much. I don't always have time to do every little task around the house. So he needs to help me and he's willing, but I need to be clear about it. So this list has been a game changer. So we have like Ilana's tasks and Anthony's tasks. And throughout the week, we add to it. And if there's something I need him to do, I add it to his list. If there's something he needs me to do, he adds it to my list. And then we have like this list of tasks that need to be assigned, like who is responsible for it. And then at the end of every meeting, so the third part of our weekly check-ins, we actually go over each task list. And in addition to just organizing who does what, we also then get a chance to acknowledge the person for what they did the prior week. So in the beginning, Anthony was like deleting what he got done. And I said to him like, Anth, I don't want you to delete it because I want to actually have the opportunity to one, know that it got done and two, acknowledge and appreciate you for getting it done. And he's like, oh, this is great. So last night I was able to say, thank you so much for calling the carpet cleaners. Like, I really appreciate you setting that up. Like, thank you so much for calling the air conditioning place. Cause I know we're having troubles with our AC and, and summer's coming up. And then he was able to delete it from his task list. Or if he called, but it was still, you know, he was waiting for the call to come back. At least I knew it was pending, but he's on top of it. And then, of course, because life happens, there's always things on the list that just don't get done. 
And then it's a time for us to just say, okay, well, when are we going to recommit to it? Okay. This week it's on my calendar on Tuesday. I'm going to go ahead and give them a call. Okay. Awesome. We'll check in next Sunday. So anyway, I know that was probably a lot of information, but honestly, these meetings take maybe 15 minutes and we both leave like so appreciating of each other, so clear on what our tasks are for the week. And in all honesty, I was so much more available for feedback that I don't think I'm going to nitpick him about the caramelized onions again, right? Because <laughs> like, I really understand the impact and plus I was totally rude. So it's a great time for me to take responsibility in like a space that I was available for. So I'm so glad I wanted to take that time. We'll see how it works out. But so far, I'm loving this new structure. No, I think that's so great. All that was really helpful because we don't have those weekly meetings. You know, we go so long until we're ready to break to have Mm -hmm. that conversation. Right. And then it's not really productive and it's not helpful. And you certainly aren't acknowledging the other person because you're just so angry and focusing on the things that didn't happen. So I love weekly meetings. You know, that was something that Dr. Daniel Singley, who Came on to talk about oh, yeah. postpartum depression and anxiety and dads. For dads. About. Yeah, that was great. Yeah. yeah. And so Brian and I, you know, we we are better some weeks than others about doing it. But when we did do it consistently, that really helped. And, you know, I think the acknowledging piece is so important, too, because you know that that means a lot for you and that means a lot for him. And for somebody like me, who the love language is words of affirmation, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like that just that just changes the game. And I don't feel as resentful for doing all the things. Um, just one more piece to that too, what that we found helpful is, you know, actually listing out what the task looks like. So when it comes to making food for the week, there's a lot of steps that come with that. So if you <laughs> yeah. just write the, like I meal prep, that doesn't take into consideration the fact that you figured out which meals you're going to make for the week. You went grocery mm-hmm. shopping, you found a time to do the meal prep, you spent an hour or two doing the meal prep. And so, you know, if there are tasks that aren't just like I called somebody, they have lots of different sub steps to them. Make sure that that's spelled out so that everything is equal and you are getting acknowledged for all that you're doing. I so appreciate you saying that. And that was actually one of the things that I missed by explaining what we do is when we go over the task list, it really helps honor me because my list is always longer than Anthony's or I should say always. I mean, we just started this, but it's like clear. And I knew that in my head, but, and I know he knows I do a lot around the house, but I think he doesn't actually realize it. But again, that's not his fault because like you said, all those little subtasks, especially us as women, we're so capable of multitasking. So we just do, we don't even like necessarily think like, is this fair? Is this, we just do it. Like things have to get done. We do it with men. I think it's, it's much more, it's different. Their brains work differently. They're very single focused. So they do one thing at a time. So I think when they, when, at least for Anthony, when he sees my long list and then he sees his shorter list, he's like, okay, you know what? I'm going to actually go ahead and take over doing this because I know I can do this. You've got a lot on your plate. I don't want to do it, but I'm going to do it. And I'm like, thank you so much. And so I think like the visual list also really helps. And that was actually Anthony's request to do the list. He goes, I really like lists. Can we just have a list? And I'm like, oh yeah, I'm totally down for that. So yeah, I think it's just been great and we'll see how it goes, you know, and I think every life stage is different. Now that I am pregnant with the second one, we're just going to be managing much more as you know, Steph. And so we have to create these structures or at least we don't have to, we get to, and we're committed to so that we don't have massive fights and breakdowns when we have two kids or more, because we really are committed to speaking to each other kindly and, and just loving on each other. And these fights, I just, I won't, we both just don't tolerate them. Like we're, we're up to two big of things and we love each other too much to fight. So we're okay to disagree, but like we just fight ugly. So we're learning how to fight better. And this is really helping prevent them. No, thank you for sharing that. Cause I think it's important to know that, you know, you don't have to wait till you have a lot of issues to go see somebody or, you know, that it's a stigma or you should feel shameful for going to see somebody to help with your relationship. Because I know you, for example, you were seeing somebody even before these fights started happening, right? It's just, you know, it's like, okay, now it's time to really re-engage and find somebody to work on like a specific plan with us. So yeah, I mean, it's, I love that you're normalizing the fact that relationship therapy and counseling is 
a really, a really great thing to do. And, you know, preparing yourself for baby number two is such a smart idea. So I love that you're doing this. Oh, thanks. Yeah, no, we just invested in now like a three month intensive relationship program. And to be honest, we're both just like so excited, mostly because we know it'll just help better ourselves and our relationship. So no, we're always constantly doing this and it is normal. I mean, we've been together now for five years, so it's time to look at each other differently and appreciate each other differently. And so we're just excited to do it. But yeah, no, real life happens. We all fight. You know, we all disagree. We're still different human beings under a lot of pressure in our work and such like that. But we're really committed to always getting through those. So thanks for mentioning that. Great. Okay, well, let's go ahead. I'm so sorry we took so long in, in the beginning, but I think all of this is so valuable. But let's go ahead and, and recap from the the Nick U episodes. I honestly, Steph, I loved this month's theme. I, I never really got in the world of moms who had to navigate life in the NICU. And, you know, one thing is, yes, it was heartbreaking to hear these stories, but it also really gave me a lot of optimism and hope that if that is going to happen to me and my family, like I know I'm going to get through it. And I know that there are so many great tools and support systems. And that really helped me a lot. And obviously I'm pregnant now. So hearing all these stories wasn't easy for me, but it also, again, just gave me hope that like, all right, if I end up being a NICU mom, I got this, like I've got, I've got the resources and I've got the the strength and the courage. So I thought that was really neat. What I just found so interesting is that no two stories are the same. And so every mom's experience is different. And I think that's a beautiful thing. For example, there was a huge difference between how Emily and Aaron coped and they used food kind of as their way to cope. Emily mentioned how she requested a fridge in her room so she can continue with Whole30 compliant diet, which I just thought was amazing. And then we have Aaron, the naturopathic doctor, shared how she would have days of feeding herself Krispy Kreme donuts or, you know, macchiato. I don't even know how to Mochaccinos. say that. Mochaccinos. <laughs> mochaccinos. <laughs> That's so funny. This is how infrequent or I don't yeah. think I've ever had a mochaccino in my life. <laughs> anyway, um, so I just thought it was an interesting perspective. And since, Steph, you're such an expert in nutrition, I just was curious what you thought about the different ways of coping for moms, specifically with food and just handling these emotional times. Yeah, you know what? I wasn't surprised that there were those two themes, you know, using food to cope and then also understanding that diet plays such a role in mental and physical strength. And so wanting to continue a healthy diet, I mean, they're completely different angles, but they both make sense for what was what's going on. And ever since we were born, we've been taught to use food to cope with difficult emotions. So when we're babies, we are tired or stressed or overstimulated and we're looking for the boob or we're looking for the bottle to calm us down that sucking and that sweetness. And then, you know, maybe when we're a little bit older, we fall down or we get hurt and mom comforts us with a hug and maybe a popsicle. And, you know, maybe we're sad because of a breakup and our friends like, Hey, let's go out for ice cream. And so this is just kind of normal, a normal way to handle difficult emotions is to use food. It's just easy and quick and it tastes really good. And, you know, who wouldn't want to turn down something sweet after something hard? So, Yes, I I totally think that this is a normal way to respond. And even if you are somebody like Erin, who is a naturopathic doctor, you know, she usually follows a healthy diet. This this can really happen to anybody. I mean, I use food to cope emotionally when I'm really struggling too. But this is just amplified when you're in the NICU for three months or uh, almost a year. I think what was interesting about this was, you know, kind of how you know, Emily, I I don't know this for sure, but I don't think she was eating Whole30 the entire time, right? You know, she decided that she wanted to do the Whole30 after that conversation with the nurse when the nurse said, Emily, you know, you need to really put your own oxygen mask on first. You need to start taking better care of yourself. And for Emily, what that meant was going back to her normal healthy diet versus, you know, veering off a plan. And she knew that the Whole30 really helped. And so that's what worked for her. And that kind of takes awareness, right? That takes an awareness that food does have the power to influence how you feel. It takes the understanding of what foods do make you feel better and and do not make you feel better. Um, And it takes that, that dedication to putting the time and effort in to make those healthy choices like she did with requesting a food or a fridge in her room and um, looking at what was in the cafeteria food and ordering meals from True Fair. So Yes, I think this is totally normal. You know, they were both very tired. 
their adrenals were shot from all the stress. And in those two conditions specifically, your body physiologically craves sugar to pick you up, to give you the energy because you're not sleeping, to give you that kind of like numbing sensation to deal with all of the different stimuli that are coming at you. And so, yeah, I think this is really normal. I think what can be helpful is giving yourself grace when you do notice that you are consuming Krispy Kreme donuts and mochaccinos and knowing that, you know, this is is the way that you're coping right now and you're in survival mode. And then also understanding that, yeah, you do need to put your own oxygen mask on first. And that may be something that you come to the realization from when you've been eating kind of foods that don't make you feel good. And you're like, you know, I got to change. Like with Emily, she's like, I got to change because I need that strength and I need to get through this for myself and for Abigail. Or it may come, you know, from somebody telling you or, you know, there's just so many ways you can come to this conclusion. But I think we will get there. I think most people get there at some point after eating kind of off plan that they know that they need to do it. And, you know, just for others, it may take longer because food may not be the first thing on their mind. They may not be eating at all. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it's really important that we are eating everything and you certainly don't have to eat a whole 30 like what Emily did to eat well. Um, it's just what she chose. It's just what she chose to do. And it yeah, worked no, for her. I, I love your big takeaways that this can be normal and just to give yourself some grace. And I think also with Emily, I mean, she had a whole year in the NICU. Yeah. That is a substantial yeah. amount of time. Whereas Aaron was just really there for the two months, which still is a long time. But I, I see that there are days that that was just a survival mechanism yeah. for her. And I think there are some people who go to alcohol or drugs for survival. And I would say food is the best choice out of all those three, especially for a nursing mom, right? So, I mean, it, it, at any point, right, anything is poison in, in too much or in you know poor quality, but it's like, if that's what she needed to nourish herself in that moment, then that's fine. And I think I just wanted to you know, keep on um, honing in on that. This is okay. And it's normal. And there's just no perfect or right or wrong way. You just do whatever you need. And yes, just the fact that they're eating is a win because most people wouldn't even eat. And Emily shared that when she was at her lowest low, she wasn't eating, she wasn't sleeping, she wasn't doing anything even close to nourishing herself. And so if, you know, whatever she did with food was that, then that's perfect for her. And same with Aaron. So thanks for your two cents. I appreciate that, stuff. Yeah, I think I give a little bit more than two cents. I have a lot of thoughts <laughs> on this. But, um, I know. You know it's okay, like, we all do. You know, ultimately, when things feel so out of your control with what's going on in the NICU and, you know, you can only do so many things, sometimes it's really helpful to be able to know that you can control what goes into your mouth. And so for a lot of moms, you know, just focusing on the healthy diet feels like they're they're doing something in a time where everything else feels out of their control. So mm-hmm. just kind of that's I think that's what Emily experienced and a lot of other moms too. So but it may take time to get there. But anyways, okay, so let's move on. So when it comes to Emily's experience in the hospital, she said one of the hardest things was the communication with her doctors and her medical staff. Now, if something was going on with her daughter, they may offer medical information, but she didn't really understand what they were saying at times. And sometimes it almost felt to her like they forgot she was a human. They told her some kind of scary things and she was left just kind of feeling a lot of different emotions and almost, you know, helpless with the information that was given. So while they had a lot of good intentions at the hospital, sometimes how they presented that information felt truly crushing. So I'm curious from a doctor's perspective, what advice can you give moms that are listening to this episode that may also be experiencing this, that they're not understanding what their providers are saying, or they kind of feel like they're being treated as a number? Yeah, this was really sad when I heard this, especially being a doctor myself. I think, you know, many of us really work on our bedside manner and we work on communicating with patients. While there are other doctors or healthcare providers who may not have the best bedside manner, but man, are they brilliant at their craft, whether they're surgeons or whether they're, you know, researchers or whatever they are. They are meant to be doctors for a specific purpose, but maybe communicating with the patients aren't their strength. My only advice I would say to give to these parents, any of them navigating any type of hospital experience or just any, you know, challenging appointment with a doctor is I would actually go in with the expectation that it may not be sugar coated and that it may be hard to hear. 
And if you can go in with that expectation, I think it can only be easier to then hear because maybe that doctor does really tell you the news, you know, in a really kind and gentle way. Or if they don't and it's harsh and it could be crushing, then really my biggest feedback would be is then if it's just so much to bear, tell them just to stop. Like, I can't hear this and perhaps ask a nurse to talk to the doctor and then have the nurse then reiterate to you. You know, I think I'm, I'm so big into having the patient be proactive and really get what they're what they need. If it's just simply too hard to hear, just tell them I can't hear this anymore and just stop them. You know, tell them like, I'm sorry, I can't communicate with you. If you can please either talk to my husband directly or talk to the nurse and I want the nurse to talk to me, that would be great. Thank you. Because you still want the information. And if you really want to talk to the doctor directly, then again, try your best to go in knowing that they're really doing the best that they can. And for some, it comes much easier than others. And for some others who are just so brilliant in their field, they do try and they care. And at the end of the day, they're just trying to communicate that the best they can. There's truly an art to communication. And some of these scientists just don't necessarily have access to that. And so I know it's so hard to hear that coming from such an emotional place. So just know you can really advocate for yourself. If it's just too hard, just stop, stop them and let them tell the nurse or just really come at it from a place of they're doing their best. I hope I answered that question okay. I think you did. I think you did. The other point I would add to that is it's probably not that they don't care. They they really do care. But I think when it comes to looking at their job from their perspective, they are seeing so many babies. Mm-hmm. And it's not that one is more important or less important than the other. They almost have to shield themselves from the emotions. Because if you think about how many stories they're hearing every day, and some of them are, are crushing and some of them are, are happy stories. But I mean, just to be able to go home and kind of leave work at work, they almost have to put up a shield. And that that's something that develops over time a lot of times with healthcare practitioners, but they really do care. It is almost like that that shield they have to add to to their outfit to protect themselves. Do you agree yeah, with that? I, I totally agree. And now I feel fortunate. I mean, I'm a naturopathic doctor in the space of outpatient care, so I don't have that same kind of impact on working with like, you know, hundreds of really chronically like ill near death patients. Right. I mean, that's not something I I was trained for. I'm of the approach of preventing disease, not necessarily saving their lives. And so I can't really relate to those kind of doctors, but I, I definitely agree with you. Steph is really their patients are somewhat numbers. And especially in the hospital, they don't have the chance to develop relationships. Like I get to in my clinic, you know, I get to like learn the whole family and and build relationships because of our longer appointments, but they're really just all about saving people's lives, which are hugely important and just staying really focused on their science and their craft. And so oftentimes without the intention, right, of doing any harm, they could say something or do something and just like move on, even though it can crush the mom. So again, yeah, trying to put themselves or trying as a parent to put yourself in the doctor's shoes, although it can be very challenging, especially with the heightened emotions, perhaps that can be a tool to help you through those difficult conversations. All right, let's go ahead and move to the next point. You know, and Steph, you already brought this up quite a bit about how important it is for moms to put on their oxygen mask before their child. And I find this to be a pretty conflicting topic or situation for for any mom. Emily really was very transparent and I loved and it was so sad, but remember like at her worst of the worst times, she was like calling the hospital every two hours just to get a check-in. Like she wasn't getting any sleep. She wasn't eating. She would literally set an alarm so she wouldn't call you know, more frequently than every two hours because she didn't want to sound like a crazy mom. And obviously, I mean, she's in a survival state. I mean, she just didn't know what to do and she just needed to connect. And she shared how she had a nurse tell her that she really needs to take care of herself. And if she doesn't take care of herself, she can't be Abby's number one health advocate. And so that really helped transform the way she was dealing with this stress and pressure and fear. Um, and she called that nurse her angel. And I thought that was so sweet. And in your interview with Parahat, she also talked about how it is important for moms to get their needs met, but simply it's not their priority. You know, she comes from more of a clinical perspective saying, yes, we want to tell moms to get their needs met. But in all honesty, it just our children are our main focus. Like nothing else is like able to like 
come in to the picture. And so I loved how Pear Hot was really just normalizing Emily's experience. And although I thought Emily did a great job, what Pear Hot does remind moms is that it's so important to ask for help. It's so important to reach out to your community and just start getting them to maybe help you as a mom with their basic needs, like the laundry and the cooking and whatnot, so that you can pay attention to your child, but still obviously get your needs met. So Steph, I was wondering if you had any ideas and that we can kind of reiterate to the moms, some of the resources or some, some of the things that we can do either as a friend or just as a mom and Nick, you needing some extra help that they know like, oh yeah, that's right. I've got this resource. I can really do it so that I can focus fully on my child. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot of different things here. One of them is we talked about already with the food, you know, you can use food as self-care to really help nourish you. Uh, But I think identifying what what self-care looks like for you in this specific time. So for Emily, she was saying that she needed that structure. So she needed to go back to work. She needed to have more of a routine. And that kind of helped her get through and and not be thinking about uh, um, Abigail every second of the day. I mean, I'm sure she still was, but to kind of have some normalcy in her her life. And so for some that may be going back to work a little bit more if they can, some may be cutting back hours um, so that they can try to rest and take care of themselves if they're so focused on the baby Um, There's a ton of resources that are out there, like Hand to Hold is a wonderful resource. They work with hospitals to provide peer support to families in the NICU. And so each hospital that they work with has their own family support specialist. And basically, they do rounding at the bedside three to four days a week. And during this rounding, they check in with whoever is there. So the mom, dad, grandparents, siblings, and they make sure that mom is doing okay and they can offer resources and support to the moms at bedside. So Hand to Hold is a fantastic organization that really looks out for the moms and the dads and they have handbooks that are available to help support families. They hold weekly support groups. They have a podcast that's out there. They have a peer mentoring program where NICU graduates, so moms that and parents that were in the NICU, can mentor moms and dads. So, you know, these mentors can say, hey, look, I was in the NICU and this is what I did to really get myself through that difficult time. And, you know, check in, maybe be help mom be accountable for taking care of herself. And yes, I think, you know, at the end of the day, realizing that we can talk about self-care all day, but when you are in it, you are really thinking about your kid and you're hoping that your kid is is safe and your baby and you you are dedicating so many time, so much of your time and resources to their, you know, day-to-day life in the NICU. So it's okay if you identify that you haven't been taking care of yourself like you like you may want to, but knowing that it doesn't have to be extravagant, but you you really would feel better if you stepped away, as both the Emily and Aaron said, if you stepped away, maybe had a date with your husband, maybe found something else outside of the hospital so you're not there all the time, um, and really whatever you need to do so that you can take care of yourself and ultimately your little one. Great. I love it. And I, I, I'm i going to make sure to add this into the show notes that hand to hold yeah. as a resource, because I didn't know about that. You know, you oftentimes just don't know what your resources are. But I think once you know that there are so many tools and resources, you can really go in feeling much more empowered. So I just I love hearing any of these organizations that are here to help. So just for moms listening, that, that'll be in the show notes. Yeah, and we actually interviewed them on our blog. So we did a five questions with where we talked about, you know, how to help moms transition from the NICU to home, what friends and family members can do to support loved ones that were in the NICU, other resources that are available. So that's a great, and we can put the link to that in our show notes as well. Perfect. Okay, excellent. Thanks so much. That's such great work, Steph. Yeah, thank you. You know, anything we can do to help these families. Okay, so let's talk about one thing that really, you know, the the food thing was really interesting to me, how they both approached that differently. And then also how they approached life after the NICU and how when they were in the NICU, they didn't even really worry about getting their nursery set up or didn't really worry about getting a ton of baby things. You know, it was really hard to purchase things because, you know, there's so many unknowns and there's a lack of time. And so that was something that I found really interesting too. And 
these ladies, they both also found comfort in talking to other people about their experience. They found comfort in Facebook groups and you know to learn about maybe their disease and the 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 child's diseases. Um, I know you said Aaron found a Facebook group really helpful for Edie's disease, and I know Emily found support with the whole thirty. And so these groups are really helpful. So they had a lot of similarities with their story too. I know we talked about the differences. Um, but what both of these ladies also said that sometimes strangers were even easier to talk about some of these things than people in their real life, because maybe their real life friends didn't quite understand what was going on, or they didn't say the right things to them, or they couldn't offer the resources and tools. So I love that they both use community to support them with their experience. Yeah. And Steph, this is actually an opportunity. I really wanted to acknowledge you for creating the group you did. When Emily spoke about how valuable being part of Healthy Mama, Happy Baby was, she like, I mean, it was like her community, you know, it was what was almost part of her oxygen during that whole year. And I just thought how beautiful that you were able to create and facilitate that type of group for her. And yes, strangers for her, like she said, were even more valuable than the real life friends and family since they just couldn't really relate. And I just, I thought that was really, really special. So, you know, getting a community, whether it's online or in person, whatever really works for you, I think is so essential. And I just think that that is so great that you have such a great, strong community. I mean, it really inspired me to create my own community for the moms after, you know, the pregnancy and such. And so I just think it's phenomenal. And with Facebook these days and those private groups, you can really feel safe to share, you know, in in, in somewhat in privacy, but right like to that community. And it's not like the public can just go ahead and search anything. Yeah, absolutely. You can, you know, share and then come back to it when you want to. Right. You know, mm-hmm. if you're having a day where you're like, I don't care what anybody has to say. I don't want to talk about this. You don't even have to respond. And then when you feel better, if you want the community support, that's when you can log on and read and engage and interact. And so I think that right. kind of communication be, can be helpful, too. So it's on your time because there's going to be better days than others. I totally agree. Well, I think that's a great therapy. So in addition to that therapy, I also was really interested in Perhot's work. So her therapy is really about like a mind-body connection. And as a reminder, she works with moms either before, during, or after the NICU. But what she has found in her experience is that a lot of moms hold that trauma or they hold those emotions within their body. And so oftentimes talk therapy isn't always just enough to really get through it. But she also really does a lot of body work with them. And I just thought that was a really interesting perspective. And I'm sure, Steph, you believe in this too, and and I believe in this, but I do believe that we can hold our emotions in different parts of the body, whether it's in your stomach or you're prone to headaches or you're prone to back pains, whatever that is. And I I really like how Perhot was so open to that. I think I just wanted to really mention that because I want to remind moms how individualized these experiences are. And I just think that it's, okay to also have different timeframes of how we process things. And so, for example, Perhot even said that men tend to process things in a very different way than how women tend to process things. And then that's okay. And that even if for your husband, he seems like, okay, now that things are, we're done with the NICU and now we're out of it, he like is easily able to get back to normal life. But for you as a mom, maybe it takes you months to get back to normal life. And that's all okay. We just recommend that you reach out for resources and that you don't discredit the option of working with someone maybe more on the physical, not just with talk therapy. I didn't even think about this, but Perhot really even mentioned things like you could do therapy, whether it's body work or yoga or massage or dance, or there's even art therapy. I mean, there's just like so many different outlets. And it's important that when you do contact a therapist, you ask them if they're trauma certified or trauma experience or whatnot, and maybe perhaps even taking it a step further as, hey, have you worked with moms who've gone through the NICU experience, you know, just so they can really relate since no two therapists are alike. So I just thought that that was a really interesting aspect. And I think that I wanted to reiterate that on our recap. Um, Let me see if I have anything else that I wanted to share. And while you're looking, I just wanted to share, you know, one thing that I found interesting, I did a bereavement training with a doula and she was saying that with pregnancy loss or traumatic situations that come up, 
what can happen is that oftentimes the the mom will grieve first, right? It's very personal to her. She's got the hormones. You know, it's just something that's deeply hurtful for her. And her partner will also be experiencing that grief. But the partner almost feels like they have to be the rock for the mom. And so they kind of suppress their trauma. They suppress the hard emotion so that they can help support the mom as best they can. And when they see that the mom is recovering and she's starting to heal and she's getting back on her feet, then all of a sudden that adrenaline kind of starts weeding down and then they start really feeling what's going on. It's kind of like if you get hurt and you're in the middle of a football game, like a football player, they get hurt, but they've got to finish and they've got to make it to the field goal or they've got to make it to the touchdown line. <laughs> I I haven't watched sports in a long time. Ah! <laughs> they, they want to make a touchdown and they're running and they like may have torn something or broken a leg and they're just, they're running and all of a sudden they, they get that touchdown and they come off the field and they're like, what just happened? They're really hurting. The adrenaline wears off. So that can happen. And that's when she was explaining it, that's what I was thinking of is, you know, that partner really just trying to be there. And then all of a sudden starting to feel those deep feelings after the fact. So, you know, sometimes moms will get upset that their partner is not seemingly not as upset as they are or that the partner's going back to work and seems like they're good. They're really not good. They're also mm-hmm. grieving, but it's just yeah. a different way. And I think really almost expecting that and honoring that is important. And so no matter what, you just go ahead and you you kind of sign up or you find a therapist automatically. I mean, kind of like back to our nurse yourself segment, like even with our partners, life is just stressful, like things get in the way. And then you add on top a Nick you experience and just you are you're destined to have, you know, obstacles and things come up that needs to get processed, right? Life in general are hard, even with very healthy kids, you know, it's just, it's just life. And so we can always use those extra um, resources and, and therapies and such. And like Perhat was saying, and she really encourages people to say like, if something isn't feeling right with your therapist and it's not working for you, just stop and try another type of therapy. Cause there are so many different practitioners. There are different type of modalities. Don't give up. I loved actually her quote. I'm going to read it. Cause I took notes on this. And I thought that was so sweet. She always encourages the moms to look inwards for the light. She reminds them you have it all inside of you and it will help you heal when it's all over. Like that light that's inside of you will help you heal. You just need to believe that it's there And so I just thought that was really sweet of her to mention because she's such a believer in this type of recovery, being a NICU mom herself. So personally going through it, coupled with her clinical experience, I think it's such a brilliant niche that she has now. So thanks for bringing her on and sharing her with all the moms. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, just, you know, we like to always round it out with both talking about both partners because both partners are involved. And so she's a great resource for moms and um, also for you know dads, for partners, if they're looking for resources. I know there is a podcast. It's pretty new. It's called NICU Dad Discussions. And that wow, is, yeah, that's a, great. Yeah. It's a podcast for NICU dads by NICU dads. And they cover topics like depression and anxiety in fathers, relationships and connecting with other dads. And uh, there's also the NICUdad.com. And that's a website created by a father who his daughter Emerson was born at 27 weeks. And now he's helping families with blogs and resources about his experience and just really how to help them. So, yes, I think we hopefully we were able to offer some kind of a resource to help support you, whether it's for yourself or for a friend or if, if you're a practitioner for the, the ones that you work with. We're really we're really happy about sharing these resources this month and let us know if they helped you. Great. I'm going to add that also to the show notes, stuff, And maybe as just a wrap up, I absolutely loved how you asked Pear Hot, like if you had a dream team, who would be on yeah. my, on every mom's team? Do you mind just um, summarizing that again for moms? I think that'd be a great way just to end today's episode. Yeah. So she talked about having a postpartum doula on your team to help you with basic needs. Like we talked about with self-care sometimes, you know, you're so focused on baby that you don't take care of yourself like you'd like to. And so just really helping moms, whether that's doing their laundry for them or bringing them a healthy meal or 
or reminding them to step away. I think a postpartum doula can be extremely helpful. And if you don't have the funds to get a postpartum doula, you know, really talking to your friend about how they can best support you or talking to your partner about what the needs are that that are really important to you um, so you can get that help. And then a pelvic floor therapist is really important because sometimes, you know, we, like you mentioned, we hold that tension in different parts of our body and there can be a lot of trauma and our bodies need a lot of help with this. So, um, and there's a high correlation with increased pain and anxiety and depression. So pelvic floor therapists, then community support. So whether that is finding people in person or finding people online or a nice blend, and then what other kind of support you need. So whether that's body work, like massage therapy, chiropractor, acupuncturist, talk therapy, yoga, dance, art, whatever you find that really makes you feel good and supports your healing process. So that was her dream team. And then I would just add, you know, a functional practitioner that can help do some lab testing for you too. So if you had a complicated delivery that had, you know, a lot of blood loss or a cesarean section, you want to look at maybe your iron levels and your thyroid levels and nutrient levels, just making sure that you are physically looking um, your best and helping to optimize that for you. So I think a functional practitioner would be great. And then, yes, like I mentioned earlier, support for your partner is really great too. I love it. I think this is awesome. What a dream team. Honestly, I think I, I loved how you said that. I think that's perfect. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's really important for, you know, all of us to have that postpartum dream team, to be honest. <laughs> I totally agree with yeah. you. I wish that was like standard of care, obviously, but it's not, but it's okay. But I think in our circles, in our communities, people could really value that. But even these NICU moms even more. So absolutely. Well, I just, I loved this month's series, really. It was so touching. I mean, I love all of our episodes, but you know, some just stick out more than others. So I really enjoyed putting this recap together and getting everyone's insight and sharing resources. And I'm so excited now I have this for other family and friends. Yes, I am too. And thanks thanks to all of you that listened to today's show. And don't forget, if you would like to cheers with me and unwind from your busy day of momming with a delicious low sugar organic hot cocoa that has the power of reishi mushrooms to support a more restful sleep, or if you'd like to cheers with Ilana and her matcha latte that's full of antioxidants and provides stable energy, head over to foursigmatic.com forward slash whole mamas to get 15% off your order. And while you're there, you can also consider checking out their popular mushroom coffees, superfood protein powder, golden milk latte mix, or even their natural beauty products that are so clean and therapeutic you can actually eat them. So go to foursigmatic, that's F-O-U-R-S-I-G-M-A-T-I-C.com forward slash whole mamas to get 15% off your order. We hoped you enjoyed this episode as much as we did. And if you did, please help us out by sharing our podcast with your mama friends and writing us a review on iTunes. Let us know what you enjoyed about this episode and help us grow our village. You can also visit our website, wholemamasclub.com forward slash podcast to review show notes, find past episodes, and leave comments and questions for future shows. Please remember that the views and ideas presented on this podcast are for informational purposes only. All information, content, and material presented on this podcast is not intended to serve as a substitute for the consultation, diagnosis, and or medical treatment of a qualified physician or healthcare provider. Consult with your provider before starting any diet, supplement regimen, or to determine the appropriateness of the information shared on this podcast, or if you have any questions regarding pediatrics, pregnancy, or your prenatal treatment plan. Now go on, have a great day, and nourish and nurture yourself and your family. 